We know this is not an easy sell, and for most people, it will feel totally counterintuitive. But you need to realize that when a family's priorities are out of order, it can erode a marriage. All too often, the overindulgence and the overscheduling of children's activities can become a source of resentment in relationships. Stay with us to the end of this episode, and we think you'll see how easy it is to prioritize your relationship without sacrificing your children's needs, and how by actually prioritizing your marriage, you are actually putting your children first. Did you know the average couple waits six years to get help in their marriage? Yeah, that's six years of pain, hurt, and frustration. Hi there, I'm Charlotte Snow. And I'm Robert Snow. And welcome to Master Your Marriage. Where we believe that having an amazing marriage should never feel like hard work and shouldn't be a guessing game. This is the show for married couples who want to discover a scientifically proven approach to building a masterful marriage and have fun while doing it. So if that's you, you're in the right place. Let's dive in. We were talking to some friends at dinner just the other day, and we got onto the topic of this balance between marriage, kids, and all those things. And they asked us, would you talk about this topic on your next podcast? So here you guys go. This one's for you. And we actually get a fair amount of questions on the topic of prioritizing kids versus prioritizing marriage. And usually they are questions from where one spouse is putting the children first to a various degree. Typically, it is the wife, but occasionally it is the other way around as well. Regardless of who is doing it, the result is almost always the same. The other spouse feels painfully lonely, often depressed, left out like an outsider, and they're resentful. We recently had a client tell us that it's easier to be alone in the outside world than it is to be lonely within their marriage. To him, it was far more heartbreaking and isolating to be lonely within his relationship with his wife. And another person uh, recently commented to us that he felt like he was in 10th place, 12th place, and somewhere prioritized after the dog, which was really sad. Yeah, well... Sadly, loneliness within marriage is far too common, and it's not good, especially for humans, because all humans are hardwired for connection and intimacy. And let's face it, when human connection is missing, something will move in to fill that gap. A person will seek a substitute to fill that void. Maybe it's just working out more. Maybe it's working longer hours at work. Maybe it will be eating more, or it could be more destructive behaviors like addictions, emotional affairs, or even physical affairs. Everyone wants to be loved and feel connected. This is a core need. And when that need is not met, something will be birthed out of this lack of intimacy and connection to fill the gap. Right. So I think we should define this a little better and talk a little bit about what it looks like to put children before a marriage. So can we go through some samples, some ideas of things that maybe of, of how we do this, how we put children before the marriage? Yeah. Yeah. But before we go through this list, I just want to say, these are just examples. You and your spouse, you and your spouse get to decide and negotiate how you apply principles from today's episode in your relationship. No one should tell you how to run your home. We're just going to share examples of what we've seen and some of the things we've done even in ourselves in the past. So how do we put our kids first? Well, okay. So, and this is one that I know I did. I would say first is maybe an unwillingness to make kids sleep in their own beds. 
we, you know, we have four kids and they all co-slept with us for the first year of their life. And there were reasons why we did it at the time, but it was also hard on our marriage. There was a lot less talking. There was a lot less time for emotional intimacy. Um, there was less snuggling. There was a little less sex. And in hindsight, even though there were reasons at the time that we did it, I'm not sure that I would do that again. What do you think? How did you feel in those moments? Well, I mean, I used to tell a story about, you know, when we were first married, I was in first place. And then when we had our first child, I became in second place and then, and so on until I fell just above the dog, at least in this case, I think, I think she liked me more than the dog, but, but I sort of felt that way. And, and it's, it's not intentional because when you have this baby, you have this innate need to want to care because they need everything from you. So as a husband, I understand that as a father, I understand that it's just, how long do we keep that going? Mm -hmm. And you still felt like a bit of an outsider through that process. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I really did feel that way. And luckily things have changed. But so another example of putting kids first is filling your life with so many kids activities Mm -hmm. that the relationship gets put on the back burner, soccer, theater, dance, baseball. We often hear, oh, we're really busy couple. We're a very busy family and it's, and it's great to provide opportunities, but how much is too much? At what point is there no time left for your relationship? I think we're kind of guilty of doing that one from time to time as well. Yeah. And I think when you're young, you sort of get caught up in it. You know, all the other young families are doing the same thing. And so you feel like you just have to keep up. And, but at that point, you, you think you're sacrificing your children's opportunities to play a sport, but what you're really doing is sacrificing your relationship. Yes. Another way we put our kids first is by saying things like, oh, well, we'll just work on us when the kids are older or when the kids grow up. That's a really common thing that we hear. And we also see where parents put activities for the children first. They plan things that benefit the children, but rarely ever plan things that actually benefit the parents. And another thing that that we hear quite often is like, oh, well, like, I can't abandon my kids. I just, I just want to be clear. We're not saying that you need to abandon your kids. It's something that we would never suggest. We'd never suggest leaving young children alone, but leaving children with a babysitter or a family member for a couple of hours, maybe a couple times a year. For that, the weekend? That, yeah, just for the week weekend. That, that, That's far from abandonment. Very far from abandonment in my mind. For sure. Another one that I've personally been guilty of is taking the child's side in an argument. Ooh, yeah, that's, that one hurts. That's a that's a tough one that we a lesson that we've had to maybe learn the hard way. And it, it can, I I mean I admit this can be one that's difficult to navigate when sometimes you feel like you're right and your spouse is wrong, but these are the conversations, these negotiations need to happen in private, not in front of the child, so that what the child sees is they're seeing a united parental team. Absolutely. Okay, so those are a few of the really common ways that we see and we've done ourselves where we put put the kids before our relationship. And I want to just pause for a minute as a wife, as a mother, and I want to provide a little bit of understanding and a little bit of empathy for those who are mothers. So I've been pregnant five times. We had two children close together. They were two years apart. Then we had a miscarriage and then we had two more children, a girl and a boy. And my whole life, I dreamed of being a mom. I made a list of baby names when I was in middle school. I think from the time I first had a a boy crush 
sometime around that same age, I started to dream about what this family unit would be like that I'd end up one day creating. And in part, I think I was maybe excessively preoccupied with these ideas because my own family unit at the time was pretty dysfunctional and my parents were in the midst of going through this divorce. So becoming a mom and being a mom was part of my identity, I think, probably long before I was ever married. And I remember getting pregnant and being pregnant and how obsessed I was with every little thing that I put into my body. I would not even want to take a Tylenol or drink a soda for fear that it might harm my baby. I took prenatals. I I tried to exercise and do everything that I could to ensure that this child that I was, my body was making would have every chance possible. I remember that. And, and I remember just being amazed at, at, at the fortitude that you had to like, just like, so done, Tylenol done. And, um, I mean, there's very special things that happen when, when you're growing this child inside of you and, and so much honor and respect for, for women who go through that and, and take that on. So not only does the mother's body undergo changes in preparation for motherhood, but the mother's brain also changes in response to pregnancy. So where we live here, spring has finally arrived. Thank goodness. Oh my gosh. The winter was miserable winter. Brutal. So as a result, um, instead of shoveling snow this weekend, we'll be like pruning the blackberries and the roses and doing all the summer stuff, getting ready for a harvest that we expect later in the summer. And you know, it's interesting. Recent research actually shows that brain remodeling occurs in mothers during pregnancy. This is directly related to the new and tremendous set of hormones that are flowing through the mother's body. Mother's brain goes through a pruning process in preparation for her child. Mm-hmm. We'll drop some links to this study in the show notes if you want to learn more about this. But in short, studies show a reduction of the mother's, mother's gray matter, which is the tissue near the brain's surface. Now, this is not a bad thing. This actually happens when we're adolescents as well, also due to hormones. This is a form of remodeling that's going on, and it's not that you're losing brain tissue, you're just re-sculpting brain tissue. Most researchers believe that this is so that the mother can be more in tune with the needs of her child. This is something that happens exclusively within the mother's brain, and certainly not within the father's. Perhaps this provides a little bit of compassion and understanding of why women do struggle to put their marriage first. But you have to understand that putting your marriage first is putting your kids first. Absolutely. It's crucial for children to experience and witness the love of their parents and the love that they have for one another, not just the love that their parents have for them. Witnessing parents in love builds a really strong sense of security within the children and holding off on prioritizing the marriage even a year or, oh my goodness, heaven forbid, up to 18 years while raising the children can prove to be very damaging to the relationship and ultimately harmful for your children's emotional well-being. Absolutely. And it's not surprising that, you know, marriages take a hit when the children are born. At least a little bit. At least a little bit. As much as we personally love our children and we would never trade them for a life without them, it is challenging for young parents to to be able to navigate their priorities once children come into the picture. Absolutely. And, and I'd say today it's even more challenging than when we had our kids. Definitely. Which is why it's so important to negotiate and communicate 
about how you're going to give your children a stable and secure environment. Yeah. And as much as this topic can really be uncomfortable, maybe slightly triggering, especially for us as moms, we have to prioritize our marriage for us and for our kids. We need to move into becoming more of a couple-focused family rather than simply a child-focused family. And the first step to moving into this different type of focus is really to drop our excuses. Absolutely. Now, again, trust me, I know as moms, we're already exhausted, right? And I know this. I I, I feel it. I, I see you as moms and I see you trying to keep up with all of the things and all of the demands of your children. And as dads, fathers, man, I see you. I, I feel you. You feel the pressure to be more present in your kids' lives, despite generally being, you know, having to work all the time and come home and make the most of that. And then you have to attend sports games, all these things you want to do, and you're being pulled in lots of directions. But here's what I would tell you. If you think putting off your relationship with your spouse until baseball's over or until the kids have gone to college, it won't happen. Usually, once that much distance has crept in, divorce often seems like the easier option. Mm. So if parents think, which often they do, that prioritizing their children over their spouse is the best approach, it really is a wrong notion. The ideal way to protect children is by maintaining a strong bond within your marriage. And also, on this topic of dropping our excuses, we have to stop using children as an excuse to avoid problems within our own marriage. Or a buffer. Yeah, which often it is. You know, all too often this like focus on the kids, this heavy prioritization and indulgence on the children is really just an avoidance of something else that's going on probably in the relationship. Or maybe even just making sure that you're never alone with your spouse and using your kids as sort of this 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 lever or this wedge. Yeah. And and you're using them because you love your children. You're not really using them, but you love your children, but they actually end up creating a wedge when you're not giving enough sacred time to your spouse. So take for an example, um, let's talk about Steve and Sally. Okay. So Steve and Sally, uh, you know, it's, they're a fictional couple made up from a lot of from other real, stories. From real people. From real people, yeah. Mm -hmm. Sally always put her children first. Her reason was that Steve was a grown man and he could take care of himself, unlike the children. Even as the kids became teenagers, she became more entrenched into this stance. She would often tell Steve that what he was doing was not enough for them. And then he would respond with, we need to help them grow up and stand on their own two feet. Then she would say back, you don't even care about your own children. In this example, Steve and Sally's relationship had suffered from years of neglect. And the children, with all of their activities, were often being used as an excuse for greater problems that were going on in their relationship, which had a lot to do with a lack of intimacy and a loss of trust over the years. And the sad part about this story, which is a common one, was that Steve and Sally weren't the greatest losers. The greatest losers in their story were their children. So what I want you to think about is what kind of relationship do you want your children to have? Do you want them to have, as you look into the future, a relationship full of love and intimacy and all the things that you dreamed about when you first got married? Or... Do you want them to have your relationship? And if you want them to have your relationship, 
you might want to think about adjusting a few things because they are currently learning how to treat their spouse. They're currently learning how to navigate emotional security. They're currently learning about in, uh, intimacy with their spouse by watching you and your relationship right now. Yeah, there's so many lessons that they're learning through this original family unit that they have with you. They're learning how to negotiate. They're learning how to forgive. They're learning compassion. They learn how to repair when they mess up. I mean, our kids are going to mess up in their lives. How great would it be if they we model for them what to do when they do mess up? And they, they learn that as well by watching us. And they learn how to disagree yeah. and how to handle that. So I think we need to drop these excuses and that we have for, for not prioritizing our relationship. So one of the things that we teach couples is is what we call the magic six-hour week. This is something that we borrowed from the Gottman Institute and adapted just a little bit. So let's quickly go through the list of what we feel is the best use of a mere six hours a week. If you've listened to our previous episodes, you know we call these rituals. So are you saying we can actually prioritize our relationship with a mere six hours a week? I think so, and you'll see that it really doesn't even take that long. Mm-hmm. If just take these steps. It's going to be easy. A few minutes a day. Yep. So step one, before you say goodbye, make sure that you learn something that's happening in your spouse's day. Like, hey, what are you doing today? Hmm, I have, uh, you know, I've got this happening and I've got that happening and I'm going to, you know, I've got an orthodontist appointment and I'm meeting with, you know, Susan and we're going to go to lunch together. So perfect, right? And that takes all of about two minutes. Just just a quick little huddle. Yeah. Um, I'm going to call it the huddle. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. Um, when you get home from work, create a reunion ritual. We do this every time, a long hug, a long kiss. Make it something worth coming home to. And don't be afraid to let your kids see you. Yeah, you're really good about that. We're going to see this, you know. So then talk for 10, 20 minutes a day and ease one another's stresses. Like, what's going on? How are you feeling? Like, you know, and all that. These are just great. These are great connection rituals. I love coming home to see Charlotte. I love it when you come home. And that, that 20 minutes when you get home, it's really important because... When you walk through the door, sometimes you've brought home a lot of stress from your day. Absolutely. And that that time can be so important in helping you to get into a state to be with the family and to be with me and to calm and to just be present with everyone else. So that way that you walk through the door really sets the tone for the rest of the evening. Yeah. And I think, and I'll just, I'll add one piece here. I think as guys, because we're such fixers, we want to hold our stress. And so we come home. And we think that maybe our wife can't solve our problems because we're always looking for a fix. They okay. don't need to solve our problems. We don't need to solve their problems. We don't need to solve the problems. We just need to be the cheerleader that's in their corner, so yeah, to speak, right? Absolutely. Just to be there to tell me about your day. I don't need to fix his day, but just unloading it and be able to talk about his day can bring peace into the home. Absolutely. So all together so far, we've, we've really talked about, what, 22 minutes in, yep. in the day? Like 22. not a lot of time. And the next thing we would say is to find something every day, spend two minutes, three minutes, maybe a whole five minutes, finding finding something to appreciate in the other person each day. So that's really easy to do. That's fine. Okay, good. And then find also some time to show physical affection. This doesn't have to be a lot of time, but do it every single day. Look for the long kiss before going to bed or the cuddle on the couch or holding hands in the car, like finding just five minutes to express affection for one another is uh, is going to be really crucial. All right. Step five, a weekly date night, no kids. Make it romantic. Use this time to continue to learn about each other 
be curious, ask each other about different aspects of their life, ask open-ended questions, mm. develop your spiritual, intellectual, and emotional intimacy, as we've discussed in other episodes. You don't need to go somewhere. You can get a babysitter and just stay home. This is just weekly, and that's one hour. So one hour a week, have a date, have a date night, no kids. And then lastly, again, another one hour per week, there's something that we call, um, that we've also borrowed from the Gottmans, it's called the State of the Union. And it's a meeting where you're together again without kids. And um, we're actually going to teach you how to do this next week in our next episode. So we're not going to get into a lot of detail today, but basically it's a, a weekly meeting where we talk about what went right that week. We also clear out any resentments that may have occurred that week. And we form a plan for the following week about how we're just going to show one another more love, how how we eat, what we each need in the upcoming week. It's so awesome. I think you told me last week, you're like, I, I, I'm feeling a little disconnected. Mm. Or you were talking about actually the kids as well. So like, it's perfect because now I'm more in tune to that. And it allows us to make these little micro adjustments. Yeah. Rather than 18 years later going, oh, great, now I'm, I'm married to a complete stranger. Absolutely. So it's, it's the micro adjustments week to week. And that's it. That's the six hours, right? Six hour magic week for finding time with one another. And if you, seriously, if you don't fill it with this, you'll find something else to fill those six hours with. Anyone can find six hours a week while still being good parents too. You don't have to sacrifice your children to find six hours a week. And I promise you that those who do will transition through what would normally be these really difficult transitions of life where they're having children. You'll make these transitions through parenthood with far more ease and a lot less stress. So we want to challenge you this week to take some time to talk to your spouse about how you two can make your marriage a priority how you can implement these ideas. Pull out your calendars and make time for the two of you. Fun fact, if your partner is asking for a date night, they want to connect with you. Mm -hmm. Take that opportunity and then make it happen. As always, until next time. Thank you for listening to Master Your Marriage. If you have a topic you'd like us to cover, then we want to hear from you. Just go to MasterYourMarriagePodcast.com and send us your question. Oh, and while you're there, you can also check out our retreats and events and even apply for coaching. And make sure to subscribe to the podcast so you get advanced notice of when the next episode drops, plus show notes and many extras. Thanks again for tuning in.